Welcome to the Motherhood Reimagined podcast, where we celebrate all paths to motherhood. I'm your host, Sarah Kowalski. Whether you're contemplating becoming a single mother, trying to be one, or already raising kids, this is the place for inspirational stories, expert advice, and informative guides celebrating those who didn't follow the rules as they share the heartache and joys of their paths. Be informed, be inspired, because you do not need to feel alone. Hey everyone, welcome to today's show. I just wanted to make a couple announcements before we get started. So first of all, I'm looking for more podcast guests. So if you're interested in being interviewed and sharing your story, please head on over to my podcast landing page. That's at motherhoodreimagined.com forward slash podcast dash home forward slash. Or you can just go to my website, motherhoodreimagined.com and follow the menu to podcast and find the sign up form. If you have ideas for guests too, please shoot me an email at sarah at motherhoodreimagined.com and let me know who you think would be a great guest. The other announcement is that the Tribe Signature Level membership is now live. You can go to my website again and follow the links for membership and go ahead and sign up. Right now I have a Thinkers Triers group and an egg donation, embryo donation support group. In these groups, you get weekly access to me via video call with the rest of the group, an online community to talk about what's coming up for you, as well as tons of done-for-you research and reflection exercises and really everything you need to kind of help you navigate this choice and this process without feeling alone. So I hope you will join me. Now let's get started with our guest. So I'm joined here today with Karen, a single mom in Oakland who ended up getting married at some point in time in her journey. So I'm really excited to talk to her and hear how that all came about. Hello, Karen. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for joining me. My pleasure. So I usually start out by asking people, like as a child, what was it that you thought was going to sort of transpire and what you sort of thought for your life in general and as it pertains to kids? Yeah. So I think I saw a movie or a TV show at some point that had this massive blue house in the middle of the country with like... 15 foster kids in it. And I thought, oh yeah, that's going to be me, but I'm going to do it by myself. (laughs) Wow. And I don't know where I thought the money was going to come from, but you know, when you're a kid, you don't really think about that sort of thing. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I mean, really, I knew that I always wanted to have kids and maybe mostly to like show my parents that it's really not that hard to do it well because I didn't feel like they did it very I felt like they set the bar really low (laughs) so I always knew I wanted kids and I thought that I would have a gigantic brood all by myself awesome wow that's so interesting that that idea to do it alone like just sort of came when you were so young and then so did that ever shift and you had periods of time where you thought you wanted to do it with someone or was that pretty consistent no for sure like when I was in 
high school, my mom got really sick and I sort of felt like I could turn to drugs or I could turn to religion. So I became like a hardcore Christian and (laughs) my other siblings had already tried drugs and it didn't work for them. So I got really into religion. So I decided that, you know, I would like go to high school, go to college, find my husband, maybe finish college, maybe not. And then, you know, like a good Christian girl, we would date for four years, we would get married, then we would buy a house, then we would have kids, and then we would have a dog and the rest of my life would be bliss. Interesting. Wow. That's a great path. So then what ended up happening? Well, I never did find anybody who could put up with me. So... (laughs) So at 28, I was like, I had only ever dated anybody for a few months here or there, like maybe three months. And I was sort of done with waiting. And I also felt like I have my career. I have, uh, you know, I don't own, I didn't own my house, but I had a house that I had lived in for a long time. And my landlord was super chill and nice. And I had my career all set. And I sort of felt like I was treading water. I was ready for the next thing. Mm-hmm. And for me, the next thing was to have a kid. So I asked a bunch of guy friends if they would donate sperm. And one of them, so I was 28 and he was 19. And he like, I know, right? Well, I didn't know he was 19, but I knew he was young. But yeah, so I asked James and he was like jumping up and down and so excited to be my sperm donor. And that's when I got started. Wow. So quite young. So I was 28. He was 19. Okay. And so did you do IUI or IVF and how quickly Uh, did you get pregnant? Yeah. So I, I started to, he banked his sperm at the sperm bank of California in Berkeley. And then we did the six month quarantine because he was really into raves and also Mm. 19, you know? Mm -hmm. So I did unmedicated IUIs every other month for a year and that didn't work. And I used up all of the samples that I had of James's. And then I tried a couple of like random other donors from various banks along the West Coast. And that didn't work either. So then at maybe 31, I went to IVF. And my IVF doctor said, and I quote, Karen, you could sleep with every man on the planet and you wouldn't get pregnant. Hmm. Wow. Nice. Nice way of putting it, huh? Right. (laughs) So she said that we could go back to James, but we would have to do the whole donation process and the six month wait. And I was just like done with waiting. Mm hmm. So then I had to choose a donor for who is now my current kid for IVF. And it was a trip because James is biracial. He's half black and half white. So I had spent like three years planning Mm -hmm. on having a biracial child, like gathering community, gathering resources, thinking about, okay, if I have a son that the world perceives as black, then where am I going to have community for him? Because Mm -hmm. not any black men in my family, except James was planning on being involved and so were his parents. So, you know, that's some, but still I wanted to have like a robust community. And then when it wasn't going to work with James, Suddenly I had to choose my kid's race, which is something Mm. that I never would have, would never be a factor, right? Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. when you choose a donor, you don't 
have the option of not knowing, right? Mm-hmm. So that was, it was a whole like mind shift to get away from, I'm going to have a biracial child to, I'm going to have a kid and what are the qualities outside of race that I would pick when I'm choosing a donor. Mm-hmm. And so how did you approach it? So I wanted somebody who, let's see, I wanted somebody who was a musician who didn't have a family history of ovarian or breast cancer because I'm BRCA positive. So I wanted at least like a 50-50 chance of my kids not being BRCA positive. Mm -hmm. And I wanted no mental illness, like no schizophrenia, et cetera. So I found this donor at the European Sperm Bank, but the one in Seattle, you know that. Okay. I think it's Seattle um, Sperm Bank now. Mm-hmm. Seattle Sperm Bank, I'm, anyway. So found a donor there and he had double majored in music and physics. Oh, he had in his profile complete sentences to the answers, like <laughs> grammatically correct, complete sentences. You know, like it would say like, what's your favorite color? And his answer would be, and this one was maybe not super indicative of his intelligence, mm-hmm. but it was, my favorite color is forest green because it reminds me of the forest. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, okay, well, at least he's capable of complete sentences. (laughs) So, and so he had double majored in music and physics, and then he was in grad school to get a master's or a PhD of physics and decided that that wasn't the right path for him and that he wanted a life devoted to music. So he went, he switched, went back to school for music. And I was like, okay, cool. We'll just go with this one. So did IVF, transferred fresh to fresh embryos, Mm -hmm. got pregnant on the first try. So I had a twins pregnancy. Wow. Mm -hmm. So how old is your child now? So I gave birth to a live girl and a stillborn girl. Mm -hmm. And my daughter is now six and a half. Wow. Wow. That must have been incredibly intense. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Sorry about that. I'm sure that was very difficult. Thank you. So your daughter is now six and a half. What would you say you needed to let go of in order to get to this path that you ended up pursuing for motherhood? Of being partnered or or just in general? Just in general and the partnered part. And yeah, in general. I mean, I know you started off not really wanting even to be partnered and then sort of assuming you were going to be and then sort of getting there to ending up doing it alone. Yeah. I mean, for sure, I feel like when I was pregnant and like everybody else I've ever met when they're pregnant, they have all these ideas about how they're going to be a parent, whether it's a mom or a baba or a dad or a whoever, right? And I feel like once your kid is actually in front of you and like screaming for 11 hours straight, the ideas of what you're going to be or how you're going to do it, like fall away and, you know, like Maslow's basement-esque, you just like keep everybody alive and semi-sane. So yeah, I had all these ideas, right? I was gonna only use cloth diapers. I was gonna make all my babies food. I was gonna like, I was on wick and I got all this milk, which I never did drink because I'm lactose intolerant. So I was gonna make mozzarella from scratch with my wick milk, you know, (laughs) in all of my spare time as a single mother running my own business. 
Um, so yeah, there was definitely a lot of that stuff fell away, right? Like, mm-hmm. yes, I did use cloth diapers and wash them myself and didn't have a diaper service. And also I used pampers, you know, or like, yes, I did make a bunch of her food because she was allergic to bananas and bananas are in everything. But I also like found single food stuff with our wick food and she ate that too. You know, so or like my kid is never going to spend hours on end in her car seat. Okay, well, going to a restaurant, like maybe that's okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think a lot of my like how I was going to be the perfect mom fell away Mm -hmm. in the reality of keeping another human being alive. Right, right. And so I know that from talking to you a little bit that you did end up getting married. So can you tell us how that, like when you started dating and how that was and how, I guess also that I would be really fascinated about what it was, yeah, how you see the two stages of your life. Yeah, so I primarily dated women and gender non-conforming or trans folks for my whole life. And then let's see, I definitely went on like I was, you know, I was dating when I was pregnant. I was dating right before I got pregnant. And then I think that I and I definitely went on like a few dates here and there sort of all along the way. But then when my daughter was maybe three, I went on a camping trip with another family from my daughter's preschool. And I met a dad who was super like fun and interesting and sexy. And it was like kind of a mind trip to think about dating a straight guy after, you know, 30 whatever years, not or whatever, 20 years, not. And what we did, we dated for a little while and he was really narcissistic and he had a daughter. He was a single dad. And we we went on a trip after we had broken up. The four of us went on a trip to the snow and we went sledding. And I was walking our two girls back to the car to like get some food and change my daughter who had had an accident. And I was hungry and everybody was ornery. And he decided that he wanted to like go sled by himself, right? Like actually get to do the sledding, which I hadn't gotten to do either. And as I was walking across the parking lot, I thought, you know, I want this life, but not with this man. You know, this is right for me. I want to be part of a blended family, but not in this scenario. So then I started looking online at OkCupid and Match, and I met my now partner, and he told me on our first date that he was ready to settle down and get married. And have a baby and be a father from the beginning. And I was like, oh, he also has a daughter. And I was like, okay, well, if we're going to do that, like we got to get on it really fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then he ended up being, and I tell everybody this, he's like the perfect U-Haul lesbian in the body of a straight cisgendered white guy. So he moved in within like two weeks and, and I think like 
within three weeks, we were at the snow with both of our daughters and it's just been going strong ever since. Wow. And another baby in the works or no? No, no more babies in the works. What happened was because I'm BRCA positive, I needed, I was in a study, but I also needed to like have my kids figure out when I was done having my kids and then have my ovaries out so they don't get ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. And so the study that I was in was showing me to be at increasingly higher risk of ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. And when it went from intermediate to high risk, I was like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. We're going to have a baby. We're going to do it some other way, but I'm not going to die on my kid, you know? Right or kids now. So yeah, I had my ovaries out. And I think at this point, like we both feel like if somebody in our life, you know, gets pregnant, doesn't want to keep the child and says, Hey, would you raise this baby? I don't want to have an abortion, but I also don't want this kid. Then we would totally adopt, but Mm -hmm. neither of us is like actively looking to adopt. Right. Interesting. And so how long have you been married now? Less than a year. Wow. Eight months or something. Right. And how is that going from having like solo parented your daughter to co-parenting? It has not been easy. (laughs) (laughs) So let's see. Actually, most of the conflict comes around parenting his daughter. Both of us are very intellectual, and so is my daughter. She's very, uh, she does a lot of creative thinking. She does a lot of problem solving. She's like a chatterbox, just constantly narrating whatever it is that she's thinking about, my daughter is. So both of us can engage with her on an intellectual level. But my partner's daughter, who's 10 months older than my daughter, so they're being raised almost like twins, not really like older and younger siblings. Mm -hmm. His daughter is really kinesthetic, really active, and she's pretty good at problem solving. But I think I've taught her that skill over the last three years that we've been dating and married. Yeah, she's either not, you know, she either has not developed the skill of sort of putting together cause and effect or it's not innate. And I don't know if that is nature or if that is nurture. Yeah. I mean, I think all single moms sort of wonder what it's like to be raising kids partnered versus like what it's like to be raising a kid as a single mom. Is there anything you would say about what the difference is? Well, a second income is really helpful. Um, (laughs) You know, he makes like twice as much money as I do, which means that I don't have to work as much. I can, you know, be the one who picks up the kids after school. I can be the one who cooks meals with them and does art projects and we have like cleaning dance parties and yeah, it's super fun. I get to do the fun stuff and then he's gone from the house from seven to seven every day or eight to seven. And then like built-in free childcare anytime I want it is Mm -hmm. amazing. His parents also love to be involved and We'll watch the kids overnight once a week so we can have a date night and have time to ourselves. I have hobbies, you know, Mm -hmm. like I can go to the gym and have a hobby and take a class and run my business and be a mom. Wow. I know, right? Right. It's pretty amazing. Right, right. And and what would you say the downsides are or are there very few? No, they're they're definitely there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, that does sound pretty amazing. The, <laughs> the plus side, for sure. It is. So. The plus sides are huge. And that's why we're still married. <laughs> <laughs> but the downsides are my partner struggles with anxiety and depression and feeling overwhelmed at work. And we have the same conversation every single day. And he's slow to enact change in his life because he has anxiety. And some of his anxiety like affects him physiologically. So then I have to sort of pick up the slack and care for him and the kids, which can feel like a burden. He's also an introvert. I'm an extrovert. So like for a quarter of the weekend, I take the kids out and leave him in the house alone so that he can play video games and like recharge his introvert batteries, which is fine sometimes, but sometimes I want to stay home and there's kind of nowhere for him to be. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really have people to lean on besides me again, because he's an introvert. So he has like me and his mom and like one friend. So a lot of it comes down to me supporting him emotionally, which is draining. And then the parenting stuff, like I, again, because my parents set the bar so low, I like to study behaviorism. I love to study like how to be a better parent, right? Like the book, How to Talk to Kids to the Listen and Listen So Kids Talk is like my Bible. Mm. And I'm sort of constantly like putting parenting books in front of him and he never opens them, you know, or putting like, what is that called? Critical conversations or whatever, like just trying to like get him to engage on a behavioral level. And he's great about sort of incorporating my like closer to like, this is my bright line. You can't do this, you know? Mm -hmm. And he has changed and altered his parenting a lot over the years. And I would like to like have conversations about the things in the books and he just doesn't ever read them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is frustrating. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about what it's been like to be a stepmom? Yeah. I mean, it's challenging and rewarding. And there are definitely days where it's magic, you know. The other day, you know, so Oakland Unified is on strike right now, which means that our kids are not in school. And so I've been alternating, bringing my kids to work with me. I work as a dog trainer and a dog walker. And so after work the other day, I brought my stepdaughter with me to go train this massive poodle not to jump on her. And we talked about it on the way there. And she had some questions about what her job was going to be. And she helped me out. She helped the dog and the family out. And it was just magic. And then afterward on the drive home, she said, Mama, what was the rose of your day today? Mm. We had the whole, I know, right? <laughs> we had this whole like lovely conversation about how she had been so encouraging of my younger daughter and my biological daughter is my younger daughter. And so I try to say my stepdaughter and my younger daughter that way. Neither of them is, mm-hmm. you know, so that they're on even ground. And it was just a totally lovely conversation. 
talking about how she had been so encouraging of my younger daughter earlier that morning when they were playing a game. And it was just, it can be so lovely, especially when I, when I remember to reinforce them for all those little nice Mm. behaviors that they do and remember to just let the nitpicking go, you know, But yeah, you know, it's been interesting having a stepdaughter because she's so so kinesthetic. We end up going biking at mills together or we go swimming together or, you know, we go to the playground more often than I do with my younger daughter. And she just brings out, she brings out different aspects of life and parenting than I have a history. So she's also like challenging me and helping me grow as a parent because I have to parent in community with three other parents for her, right? My husband Mm. and then her bio mom and her stepdad Mm. who have all different different lifestyle than we do. And she's with us half the time and with them half the time. Wow. That's going to be hard. (laughs) (laughs) And what what was it like for your daughter? Like the process of blending her families and introducing her? Oh God. They had this like six month honeymoon period when they were in love with each other and they would play together all the time. And they were just like, like 80% of the time, totally stoked to be around each other. And it was amazing. (laughs) 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 So for sure, like my stepdaughter wants to be really helpful and be constantly helping. And my younger daughter is very independent and has never wanted any help with anything. So that's created a lot of conflict Mm -hmm. and we've gotten to problem solve a lot, right? Like write down what are all of the possible solutions and then come up with the solution that works for everybody. Mm -hmm. And there's also been a lot of, my stepdaughter came to us with sort of this tantrum thing where if she didn't get her way, she would like fall on the floor kicking and screaming and crying and got a lot of reinforcement for that. And it took several months to train both my husband and her to find other solutions, like talk out Mm -hmm. what's going on and figure out how to move past that. Yeah. And she's still reinforced for those behaviors elsewhere. So she still tries them sometimes in our house. Mm-hmm. It's just hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. That's very helpful. Thank you. So going back to when you were dating in the beginning, what I think a lot of people when they're either pregnant or trying, or even when they have a small kid, they're sort of, they want to date and they get so like conflicted about when they should tell and what they should tell about trying or even being pregnant. What how did you navigate that or what advice would you give to women who want to date in those? Let's leave it to like the trying and pregnant to start with. I had it in my profile, Mm -hmm. you know, so it was out there, you know, I think I said like, I'm pregnant. I am not looking for another parent for my kid. I'm just looking for a good time or, you know, let's see where it goes, et cetera, et cetera. Now, some people were like, a lot of people were curious, right? Like Mm -hmm. I tried to make my, I always try to make my profiles really funny. And I try to ask questions inside of my profile so that people are drawn in. And I also ask a lot of open-ended questions. I got this book from an NPR fun drive that was how to have a conversation with anyone. So some of the, there's, there's like millions of lists, list, list, list of questions in there. One of them is, do you actually like museums or do you just sort of pretend? 
you know, and then how people answer starts a conversation, right? right? And if I ask two or three questions and they don't ask a question back, then I don't even bother to go on a date with them. But if uh-huh. they do, then we go out, we see how it uh-huh. goes, you know? So I definitely had people, I would like get to the date and tell them that I was trying. I had one woman like turn on her heel on Valencia and run away. No. <laughs> <laughs> So you um, it was in your profile or was it not always in the I don't think maybe it wasn't always in the, I don't know maybe sometimes it wasn't sometimes it wasn't oh my god yeah and then I had a couple of like super creepy people who were like oh you're pregnant let's have sex and I was like oh like, maybe yeah. let's have a meal first yeah yeah it's overwhelming though it's overwhelming like being pregnant as a single person I also have my own business that I run So my mind was pretty full until I had kids. Mm -hmm. Once I had my kid though, for sure, I felt like if I'm going to pay $20 an hour for my kid to be in childcare, when we go on a date, you are paying for everything. (laughs) You know, like you're paying for dinner, you're paying for the movie, we're going somewhere nice because I'm paying 80 bucks to be with you. Mm -hmm. You're going to take me out in style. Right, right. So anything, any advice you would give to single moms who want to date either while they're trying or while they're, well, after they have a small kid? I mean, for sure for me, like knowing what I I wanted was really helpful, right? Mm-hmm. So like in between the first dad that I dated and the guy that I married, I wrote, I made a profile that was like just sex, right? Like, and it was mm-hmm. very specific. I am a bi woman. I am not looking for a relationship. I just want to have sex. These are the hours and the days in which I can have sex. These are the places where we can go. And that was great, right? I met somebody, we had super hot sex a few times, and then I was ready to like move on to my next relationship. Yeah. So for me, the open-ended questions are really, really helpful. You know, cake versus pie and why? And then, you know, I just sort of normal dating stuff. I like to meet somewhere public where there are multiple exits. And I liked, I really like to go do something like not coffee, you, not, not a 15 minute date, right? Like I said, mm-hmm. I'm already paying for childcare. So mm-hmm. we need to go like do something interesting where we can talk about something other than ourselves, right? We can like mm-hmm. talk about the art on the walls or we can talk about how much you hate museums or we can talk about, you know, or like solving a puzzle together, whatever, going on a scavenger hunt. Yeah. And then pregnant dating. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it really helps to keep it a secret for long, right? That's a like Mm -hmm. big bomb to drop on somebody. (laughs) By the way, I'm also three months pregnant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you talked about your sort of casual profile and being really clear about what you wanted. So was there a point when you switched to having like a, I want a relationship, this is what I'm looking for profile. And can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I don't honestly remember exactly what was in that profile. But for sure, once I knew that I wanted a partner who had kids, I stopped doing OkCupid. I did match. I wanted somebody who was like a little more invested, right? Mm -hmm. And I had both like, I I think at match, you can't really have a bi profile. So I had like a 
lesbian-esque profile and I had a straight girl-esque profile or something like that. Mm -hmm. And the queer profile was sort of pulling up all the same people that I've seen over the last decade, right? And I've already been on a first date or more with all of them. And I wasn't seeing anybody there that was appealing. So then I looked over at the straight men, which is like flooded with human beings. (laughs) (laughs) Not slim pickings. And yeah, I, you know, again, I tried to make my profile be funny. I tried to ask questions in my profile. And I think I probably said something like, I'm looking to be in a blended family. And, you know, Christians need not apply. Oh, by the way, I'm over Christianity now. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, like all my profiles would say, like, if you're straight or Christian or vegan, don't buy. I'm allergic to Christian straights and vegans. Right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I was really specific. Like I'm looking Mm -hmm. for a partner who wants to raise kids or, you know, a partner who already has kids and wants to have a blended family. Right. And my partner was looking and found three people and went on a date with each of them. And we ended up together. Cool. Wow. That's such a, yeah, I love it. I I think that clarity is really helpful. Yeah. You have to know what you want, right? Otherwise Mm -hmm. there's no, there's no path forward. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think, sort of not being afraid to say it. Like I was recently in a conversation with someone who was thinking about dating and sort of not sure what to say while they were trying. And I just think, you know, you want to, you want to scare them off if what you're doing isn't what you want so that you can attract the ones that are interested in your path or what you're doing. So I I think that's really good advice to just put it all out there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what would you say, do you have any regrets about how you became a mom or what your path has been? I would say my single biggest regret of my entire life was letting Kaiser do a teaching autopsy on my stillborn daughter. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And they already knew what was wrong with her. They had tons of scans. And I wish that I had, I wish that I had said, I don't consent to that. Like just send her mm-hmm. straight to the cremation place to be mm-hmm. cremated. Right. Like mm-hmm. I don't, you don't need to take apart my baby girl to mm-hmm. see up close and personal what this, she had a super rare condition. It's like one in 8 million people have this. Mm. So, you know, while maybe people learn from her, I also feel like that was an indignity to her existence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And outside of that, man, I wish that I had disregarded my doctor. So in the very beginning, I asked my doctor if I needed to get like hormone testing. Like back before I even talked to my 19-year-old sperm donor, I had asked my doctor if I needed to get hormone testing. And she was like, oh no, you're young and healthy and you should just try it for six months. And I was like, yeah, but it costs money, you know? (laughs) And wow, I really, really, really wish that I had mm-hmm. just gotten all of the testing up front. So you that mean I could, like fertility yeah. testing to like yeah, find I mean, what hormone levels were. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, I love my kid and I would, I, and I can't imagine a life without her. And I'm so glad that she is my daughter and she wouldn't be my daughter if I hadn't gone through all of this. And also if you're on the beginning end and you don't have a kid yet to regret not having had, like <laughs> just get it all done. <laughs> Because you later found out you had some hormone issues that you would have taken a different path if you had, uh, like you wouldn't have necessarily done IUIs or so many IUIs if you'd had that knowledge first. 
No, I wouldn't have done any of them. I would have jumped Mm. straight to IVF Mm. and I would have saved three years. And, you know, it cost me $70,000 just to get pregnant. And I Mm -hmm. could have saved Mm -hmm. whatever, 50,000 of that. Right, right. Yeah, that is tough. And would you be willing to talk a little bit about like the stillbirth and how you recovered from that and any advice to anyone who has a loss late in pregnancy? Yeah, so uh, it sucked, basically. She hadn't developed lungs. Okay, Mm -hmm. so she had right-sided diaphragmatic hernia with liver up. And her heart was pushed all the way against her rib cage, mm. and she didn't have lungs. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was awful. So, okay, but she was still alive, right? Because she was on the inside where, mm-hmm. you know, sort of, mm-hmm. she, you don't necessarily need lungs because there's no air. Mm-hmm. So that was at 16 weeks or 18 weeks, something like that. Okay, so the doctors wanted me to terminate her. And anyway, that's a whole story into itself. But okay, so for loss in a multiple births, there is its own counseling group. It's called Mm -hmm. CLIMB, C-L-I-M-B, Counseling for Loss in Multiple Births. Mm -hmm. And I never went. And I regret that. I wish that I had gone. I still think it would be, it would behoove me to check it out. For sure, my daughter, my daughter knows that she had a twin who died and she is sad about it and wishes that her sister had lived and she wishes that she had a twin. So yeah, it's rough. I never went to that one. I did go to, I went once to a group. I think it was run through Alta Bates. It was like along Telegraph Avenue. And that was just for late-term loss. Mm-hmm. And there were several couples in there, mostly couples. I don't think there was any other single moms. And some of them have given live birth to children who died in the next hour or in the next few days. And some of them, some of them had lost really early in their pregnancy, like 10 weeks or something like that. And then some of them had lost later on in their pregnancy. So it was just miscarriage or stillbirth, mm-hmm. but they were all singletons. I found it really difficult because it wasn't the right group for me because several of the moms there, the whatever, the people who had carried there were angry with me because I was still pregnant, Mm. right? I still had a live child, but Mm -hmm. I was also pregnant with a dead child. And and like I had been part of Twins by the Bay before Mm. my second child died. And then when she died, I didn't know if I should, my problems diverged from their problems. So Mm -hmm. even though I was still having a twins experience, I wasn't having their twins experience. So then it didn't really make sense for me to stay in twins by the bay, but I didn't have another community to be part of. And then the Singleton Lost group, I felt very attacked, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. it was, I understood that it was their experience, but also it was really uncomfortable to be there. Mm -hmm. So I just, just kind of isolated in that way. But I had, had been part of a, um, or I still was part of a pregnant and perspective group of single parents, although at the time they were all cis women who identified as moms. And so those were my people, right? And I went mm. to this group every week and and they continue to be my people, right? I see them all the time and our kids are all forever in elementary school now. 
But I do really think that having at least a handful of people who are pregnant at the same time as you, who like get it, understand single mom experience and Mm -hmm. don't judge you for using formula or breastfeeding or this or that or the other is amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds, yeah, really difficult. I can imagine trying to find a tribe at that moment would be really hard. And so thanks. Yeah. And thanks for sharing that. I really, it's very helpful for others, I hope. My experience from being a single mom was that like, of course you can't raise your kid by yourself. And the idea that nuclear families or coupled people have that like the three of them are just going to be enough. I just always thought was totally ludicrous. You know, you just need to like gather all the people as many people as you can to help you raise your kid. Yeah. What would you say is the most surprising thing about your path? I did not expect my kid to be as brilliant as she is. Mm. You know, I didn't expect to like learn, you know, my kid says things that are like mic drop worthy moments, you know, Mm. Um, she's like, she comes out with this brilliance and I feel like maybe, you know, it occurred to me when she was like four or five that like, I might be done parenting her, right? Like, yeah, I still want to like keep her alive and feed her and whatnot. But like, she's a fully formed human being with all of her own opinions about everything. And yeah, she still has questions and she's super curious about the world. But I was not, I'm always surprised by, you know, her questions, the things that she thinks about, like, you know, telephone wires, you know, if there's gravity, how come they don't fall down? Or mm-hmm. how, how do trees drink up the light and make seeds? You mm-hmm. know, like not rivers and lakes, but like where, how does water get formed? You know, I just, mm-hmm. she just like comes yeah. up with totally brilliant awesome. questions and just, it's such a pleasure to be around her, to have conversation with her. I expected to like hanging out with my kid, mm-hmm. but I expect my kid to like have thoughts on the dead that were just brilliant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No? Very cool. So what would you say sort of following on with that or what's the thing you love most about being a mother? Oh, let's see. There are so many things to love about being a mom. I love exploring. I love nurturing interest in the world. I mean, I love cuddling, you know, (laughs) Um, you know, it's amazing to like go pick up either her or my stepdaughter and have them just like drop what they're doing and fly over to hug me, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It's, it's a really rewarding path. Mm -hmm. And what would you say you like least about being a mother? Oh God, the whining. (laughs) or the, you know, I spent two hours cooking you a wholesome meal and I don't like this. This is, you know, as she makes puking noises over the food or, you know, your chore is to walk the dog, but I don't want to walk the dog. I don't feel like walking the dog. You know, like nobody feels like walking the dog. You just have to do it anyway. Um, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what advice would you give to someone if they were sort of, I feel like the question that comes up so often when people are thinking is, should I wait longer and keep 
keep dating or should I like go for it and do it alone? And that sort of question of like, am I going to like being a single mom or should I keep waiting? What advice would you give to those women? I mean, if you know that you want to have a kid, go for it, you know, Mm -hmm. go for Mm -hmm. it. There's plenty of amazing people out there who love children and you're going to meet somebody through your kid who is already in the kid world and, and you'll go from there. Like, I think that if you toss a coin, right. And one side is I'm going to keep waiting. And the other side is I'm just going to go for it. Right. I don't know any single moms outside of me who want to be partnered, right? Like all the single moms that I know are like, yeah, it's so much easier. I get to do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. And as long as you've got the money for it, go for it, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if you toss that coin and it lands one way or the other, I think you're going to know whether or not your heart agrees with whatever way it landed, right? Mm -hmm. No, I think... If you, if you have the presence of mind to know that you really want to be a parent, then go for it. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't have it. any regrets about having done it alone to begin with, even though you decided you wanted to be partnered after a few years. No. And, you know, if it hadn't worked out with my current partner or if it, you know, in the future doesn't work out with my current partner, I don't have any doubts about my ability to raise my kid myself, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. plus like if it doesn't work out, then we can travel more, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I think like there are perks to being partnered and there are perks to not being partnered, Mm -hmm. you know, as long as you've got that tribe, right? You need that tribe and you need it regardless of whether or not you're a partner. Being partnered has, like I said, a lot of highlights, but it's not the be all end all of life. You know, mm-hmm. but being a parent is totally the be all end all of life. Mm, right. I, yeah, that's awesome. I think that's such a good message for women to hear. Just, I think it's nice to hear both sides of the coin. Yeah, that's cool. Going to the support question a little bit that you just mentioned, how have you found people and found support, particularly before you partnered? What was your sort of method of getting the support you needed? Yeah. So let's see. My daughter was born really early, right? Because of the twins' Mm -hmm. pregnancy. So she was born seven, they were both born seven weeks early. So originally they were in the NICU. Oh, sorry. One of them was not, but my living daughter was in the NICU for eight weeks and I had to have an emergency C-section. So once I was out of the hospital, but still on Vicodin, I wasn't allowed to drive. So even back then I sort of pulled in anybody who was willing to help out. Right. Mm -hmm. And I had had I had had a friend that I had worked farmer's markets with whose partner had a kid who was a year older than me. And I didn't really even hardly know him. I don't think I knew him. I think I had met him like once or twice or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And he offered to pick me up at 8 a.m. every morning and drive me to the hospital. And then some of my clients and whatnot would pick me up in the evenings at like 10, 11 p.m. and drive me back home again. I think mm-hmm. this might have been before Lyft and Uber. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, plus I was on a lot of drugs, so hard to say. But um, <laughs> whatever. I pulled my people together. They would drive me to the hospital. They'd come hang out and coo over my kid, and, who was adorable, even at five pounds. And I would just spend all day long in the NICU. And then what happened was that dad who had the older kids, he was part of a three dad family with one kid. It's its own story. But what we ended up doing was when my daughter was like six or something like that months old, 
we decided to do a childcare swap. So I watched their son for like a long time, like, I don't know, 12, 15 hours, one day of the week, and then maybe four hours, another day of the week. And then they watched my kid four days a week and like all day long, three days and half day, one day so that I could go work and my kid could, you know, play and whatever. And then I did that for a year and a half. So that was totally free childcare. Awesome. Plus, plus they would watch her at night sometimes if I wanted to go on dates or whatever. And I would watch their kid. They didn't hardly need that because they had three of them. Yeah. So she really had, she had them. And then she had her fairy godmother who lived in the same building as this three dad family. So they were sort of my like intense, amazing community. And then I also had the single moms from the group who would come over and do my laundry and make me feel better about how I didn't have any milk because I had given birth way too early and it was okay to use formula and my kid would still be intelligent and da, 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 da. Yeah. So I had, I had a really strong network of childcare swapping. And then the three dad family moved away, but I got hooked into my neighborhood has a babysitting co-op. And so anytime I need childcare, I just write to the co-op and somebody there is like, oh my God, yes, I love her. She's amazing. She can come over whenever she wants. And then we'll take in kids too, like last minute. We'll, you know, we'll take this kid to the zoo or we'll take this kid to wherever. We'll, sure, we'll take your kid overnight. Totally. And that has been, of course, a godsend. And that's actually how I met my husband because Mm. my daughter went to one of those other single moms, a single mom in my neighborhood and my babysitting co-op while I dated so that it didn't cost Mm. me, you know, a thousand dollars to go on an overnight date. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. I feel like that's one of the main things that has kept me from dating is like, I cannot afford to be paying 20 bucks an hour to have a bad date. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there are so many of those bad yeah. dates. Yeah. It takes so many bad dates to find a good date. I know. Yeah. So to wrap up, anything else you'd like to add or any other advice you would give to women? No, I think like, you know, just if you know you want to be a mom, go for it. Mm-hmm. it it's a joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much. This has been really wonderful. And I think some really an awesome perspective that we don't get to hear all the time. So I really appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. If you liked today's episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher to subscribe and leave a review. I so appreciate your support to spread the word about this project. If you'd like to hear more about my journey, please read my memoir, Motherhood Reimagined, When Becoming a Mother Doesn't Go as Planned. It's available everywhere books are sold. Join me next week when I speak with Jackie, a Vietnamese-American woman who's now a mother to a 20-month-old. She started this journey thinking she was going to co-parent with an ex-boyfriend and eventually moves to sperm donor. She also shares with us how surprised she was when she had postpartum depression. Please don't miss it. Bye for now. Bye for now.